sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. This is the all-star game of sports radio shows. It's Score North Live with Rami. Sure is. We're on 1500scorenorth.com, Score North app, streaming live at Twitter, Twitch, and Facebook. Matthew Collar in the co-host chair for the entire two-hour ride this afternoon. He sticks around at 2 o'clock for Purple Daily. Uh, speaking of the Purple and the Vikings, Matthew Collar, was uh, Dalvin Cook the first thing that went through your mind yesterday when you saw the new contract that Christian McCaffrey received from the Carolina Panthers? Of course. I mean, Dalvin Cook has not done what Christian McCaffrey has done. But no. that's the type of dollar figure that Dalvin Cook is looking for when everything points to even trading a top-wide receiver that Dalvin Cook is going to be the centerpiece of the offense, and that's a pretty decent negotiating position to be in if you're Delvin Cook's representation to say, like, look, nobody's made it more clear how much you guys love my client than uh, than you, than you from the head coach to the general manager to the ownership, um, that they've made Delvin Cook a major part of what they do, and it would be very hard for them at this point to say, you know what, we're gonna just going to draft somebody in the second round and they're going to fill Delvin Cook's shoes. Now, if you're trying to be as stingy as you possibly can be, that is certainly an option for them, would be to go with Alexander Madison and somebody else and move on from Delvin Cook. But I just see it as a very low possibility and that he's going to be in this same ballpark when all is said and done as Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, for those who didn't see the numbers, Christian McCaffrey got a four-year extension averaging $16 million per year, highest-paid running back in NFL history, and uh, according to a couple of reports that I read, about half of that is guaranteed, which in NFL terms is a lot of money and a significant portion of the contract that's guaranteed, especially for the running back position. And I tweeted out something alluding to uh, Dalvin Cook when when the news came out yesterday of the deal that McCaffrey signed, Collar, and a lot of people were coming back at me with, well, Dalvin Cook is nowhere near the running back that Christian McCaffrey is. He hasn't done what Christian McCaffrey has done, and he hasn't. Christian McCaffrey, was he joins a club that includes two guys, Marshall Falk and Roger Craig, in that he had 1,000 yards rushing and 1,000 yards receiving mm-hmm. in the same season. So he's done some things at the running back position that Dalvin Cook certainly hasn't. But that's not necessarily how it works in the NFL. Collar, I talk about this when we talk about the quarterback position and how much they're paying Kirk Cousins. You being the highest paid quarterback doesn't mean you're the best quarterback in the league. It means you were the best quarterback on the market when that team decided to go shopping for a quarterback, and so they have to pay top dollar for you. And he may not get the same deal that Christian McCaffrey got, but the market at running back, as far as elite upper echelon running backs, has been set over the last year or so with first Le'Veon Bell getting $14.1 million, then it was Ezekiel Elliott getting $15 million, and now it's Christian McCaffrey getting $16 million. You can be damn sure that Dalvin Cook's representatives are looking at that, looking at the, the cost of top-shelf running backs at this stage in their career and looking for somewhere between 14 and $16 million a year. And honestly, I don't think I'd give that to Christian McCaffrey, especially not with that much of it guaranteed, much less giving it to Dalvin Cook. You just look at the trajectory of running backs in the NFL, and look, it's not their fault, and I feel bad for them. And I wish that there was a different pay structure and that running backs could hit the free agent market sooner than the rest of the NFL because they seem to fall off the cliff quicker and sooner than the rest of the NFL. But the reality of it is, when you talk about roster construction and managing a salary cap, 
Running backs tend to not be worth top dollar when they go out and get that first big contract after their rookie deal is up. I don't think I'd do this for Christian McCaffrey, especially not with that much guaranteed money. And I really, really don't think I'd do it for Dalvin Cook and a guy who is 0 for 3 in playing 16 healthy games of an NFL season. His production is off the charts. I love watching Dalvin Cook play football. He brings just about everything to the running back position that I want as a fan, as a, as a, from a strategy standpoint. Dalvin Cook is one of the best running backs in this league. But given what I just laid out about running backs and their trajectory in this league, I just can't justify giving that type of money and, and and being able to construct a roster that's competitive within the salary cap moving forward. It just doesn't make sense at this point, Tyler. Well, I think if you're looking for a counterpoint to that, you would point to some other teams with running backs that were of similar age that had a lot of success. And if you look at the age curve for running backs, even though someone like Todd Gurley had an injury that seemed to uh, really hamper him and what he was able to do, um, there are other guys who have taken it into age 25, 26, 27 and been really, really excellent. I mean, you mentioned Marshall Falk, uh, Tiki Barber was another one. And, and I'm, I know I'm mentioning like all time great running backs, but, you know, Delvin Cook is one of the more talented running backs in the league. And so it's not completely preposterous to think that somebody could go age 25 through 27 or 28 and still be one of the best running backs in the NFL consistently. I was just looking at Marshall Falk, his age 26, 27, and 28 seasons. He led the league in yards per attempt all three of those years. So, you know, there are a lot of factors that goes into it. You're right about the injuries that Delvin Cook has had over the past few seasons. Um, but you're also talking about a team that has a lot of pressure on its general manager, a lot of pressure on its head coach. And if you are walking away from somebody who has a huge impact, not only on the running game, but also on the passing game last year, when Kirk cousins threw the ball behind the line of scrimmage. So all he did was basically catch it and get rid of it. Uh, he averaged over eight yards pass, which is pretty rare. And almost all of that is Delvin cook catching the ball and leading the league, I think in yards after catch among all running backs. So you know, he is an exceptional talent that helps your passing game almost as much as he helps your running game. And he's somebody that, if you're talking about the cumulative effect of Delvin Cook, it's not just running, passing yards, pretend, things like that. It's that other teams are terrified of Delvin Cook. And so you get them in positions that help your passing game quite a bit. Because if it's Alexander Madison or Mike Boone, maybe the yards per attempt is only a half a yard per run less than Delvin Cook. But is anybody really terrified of Alexander Madison in comparison to Delvin Cook? And that's how Gary Kubiak's entire offense works, is it's set up to have teams be worried about the running game and then crack, you know, leave cracks in their defense, and that's where you take advantage in the passing game. So that's sort of the argument for Delvin Cook. Now, fundamentally, the situation that you're in, it's really hard to do. If he's the only player on your team and you have a ton of cap space and everything else, then, yeah, it's a much easier decision. Let's just do it. And if it blows up in our face, who cares? Because we're still trying to rebuild this thing uh, in a win-now situation with only so much cap space to work with over the next few years. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a hard decision. But considering how much they just absolutely adore Delvin Cook inside that organization, I would be shocked if they didn't do it. Do you think it's more likely he goes the way of Marshall Falk or more likely he goes the way of Devontae Freeman and Todd Gurley who start to break down in production, drops off at the age 26, 27, 28? So a really interesting thing about um, the injuries for, uh, I'm trying to pull this up right now as we speak, but the injury for Delvin Cook in his first year is that... <laughs> Even though it's a bad thing, 
it also has a lot less mileage than Todd Gurley. So let's see. Right now, Delvin Cook is going into his age 25 season. Uh, At this point in Todd Gurley's career, he had over 1,000 NFL rushes and 250 catches. So that's, that's a lot of footballs coming his way. Delvin Cook, in comparison, if my internet works quickly here enough, I could pull this up, has only run the ball 457 times and caught 128 passes by the same age as Todd Gurley. So that's less than half of the runs and 100 fewer targets in the passing game in terms of how much wear and tear is on Delvin Cook's body. Now, you know, so it's sort of like you can make the argument each way you want to. You could say there's a lot less wear and tear. You could say, well, yeah, that's because he's been injured. Um, But I tend to think that he might be still ascending as opposed to Todd Gurley, who comes into the league at age 21 and has a lot of his best seasons early. Uh, Maybe Delvin Cook could have them going forward. So, I, I mean, having seen this guy from the minute that he got to training camp, through last year, it is a special talent. The money doesn't ever work for anybody, and the risk is always huge. But if you're going to win games and you're going to get the most out of your quarterback that you just extended, then I think you need the running back who has played a huge role in making Kirk Cousins, uh, you know, as good as he was last year. Yeah, I would. I mean, I know he might hold out, but I would. I would try my best to bring Dalvin Cook back for the final year of his contract. And if he plays that out and he's healthy and productive... He won't, though. I don't think he's stepping on the field without a new contract. You don't. You think there's a holdout in the future if there isn't some sort of contract in place? I almost guarantee it. Yeah, I, really? I don't think there's any chance that Delvin Cook plays, or let's go, you know, well, then, whatever, 10% chance. I might, there's a very low chance that he's going to step on the field without a new contract extension. I might just do what the Chargers did, and I saw how that worked out for them, but I might just do what the Chargers did and yeah. play that game of chicken, of, hey, dude, I... You, you want a new contract, and we get that, but we're not giving it to you, and do you think that sitting out six, seven games is, is going to convince some other team out there to pay you? Because that didn't work out for Le'Veon Bell. Every every report and yep. and and study that I found in terms of analyzing and assessing the money he would have made if he had signed a year earlier versus sitting out the last year with the Steelers, he lost money in that deal. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Melvin Gordon in San Diego where he sat out, and yep. he, he, didn't, he wasn't the, the big prize on the free agent market when he finally got out there this offseason. And I... I, I, I look at Dalvin Cook and his agent and I say, let's play this game of chicken. You want to have a standoff? Hmm. Let's have a standoff. I don't think we I don't think we lose as much in that as you do. Well, and it's that very well could happen where they say, look, we want to, you know, maybe franchise tag you next year after this and then just let that play out. Um, but that so that's the problem is that the Vikings have a good amount of leverage here where they could just let him play out the last year of his contract and then franchise tag him and then keep him. And that's kind of how Le'Veon Bell got to where he got, where he was just eventually so frustrated that he refused to play on the franchise tag, I think was the the disagreement between the two sides. I, I could have that wrong, but um, you're right. yeah. So, I mean, the Melvin Gordon situation where I think it's a little bit different and the Le'Veon Bell situation is maybe more similar is Melvin Gordon is okay, but, He's not a great, great running back. I looked at him as another guy who came into the league and had some success. But the centerpiece of their team was Phillip Rivers. The centerpiece of the Vikings team is Delvin Cook. And that's why I think Stefan Diggs isn't here anymore. Because they wanted the centerpiece of their team to be this great running back and not the two wide receivers that drove their success in 2017. Uh, So, you know, when you make someone the centerpiece of your team, then you put yourself in a position where you really need to keep them. Um, 
And one thing about this Vikings team that they've always been good at doing is finding ways to keep guys that even the numbers say you shouldn't necessarily keep or pay for. I mean, Linval Joseph is a good example. Great player, but they were overpaying for that position. Uh, Anthony Barr, good player. Again, overpaying for what you're getting from that position. So their history under Mike Zimmer says, well, two things. It says, one, Mike Zimmer usually gets what he wants. Um, But it also says that they don't go strictly with some of the numbers in terms of positional value and things like that. When you talk about mileage, and by the way, I I know it sounds cutthroat. I know it sounds cold-hearted. And I, from a personal standpoint, would love to see Dalvin Cook get paid. Seems like a really good dude. You would know better than I would, Collar. I would love to see the guy get super, super rich. Like, from a personal standpoint, I'm never against an athlete, especially one who I like and seems like a good person, getting super rich. That's me, the fan talking, and me, the human talking. If I put myself in the shoes of an NFL owner or a general manager, though, I I think you almost have to operate in sort of a cutthroat way, and I would probably handle Dalvin Cook the same way that the Steelers did, which, like I said, if you want to get into a standoff, you want to play a game of chicken, fine. You can hold out this year, but we're keeping you under the last year of that contract, and then you know what? We're going to franchise tag you next year because we think, I think on a year-to-year basis, the risk-reward is very low. As long as Dalvin Cook is relatively healthy, he's worth top dollar at the running back position. And the great thing about the franchise tag from the team standpoint is that it's only a one-year investment. And Mm -hmm. if Dalvin Cook gets hurt and only plays eight games, well, that's, that's, that's half that year's salary that's lost, but it's not... $32 $32 million that's guaranteed to Christian McCaffrey that's lost for the franchise and the organization for a guy who isn't who he was and probably never will be again. When you talk, Like I said, when you talk about the history and trajectory of running backs in this league, I think you almost have to handle it in, in that cutthroat manner. I don't feel good about it sitting here and saying that today, but right. again, if I'm a general manager or I'm an owner, I can't think about how do I be the nice guy? How do I get, how do I get the guy paid who, in a moral sense, probably deserves it? That's not my concern. My concern is constructing the best football team I can possibly construct under the salary cap that I'm working within. And so I, I would handle in the same way that the Steelers handle Le'Veon Bell if I'm the Minnesota Vikings. I absolutely would. Yeah, you know... Might have trouble sleeping at night, but that's how I would do it. Well, here's the the conflict a little bit, though, is if, let's say you are Rick Spielman, and ownership tells you, I don't really like the way some of these running back things have played out, so we're going to move on. Now, that is not the case. I, I think ownership wants Delvin Cook to be in their backfield the same way that they wanted Adrian Peterson to sign a massive deal once upon a time. So that's my feeling, is that... Uh, ownership, general manager, head coach, they all want Dalvin Cook to be on this team. But let's say that the ownership and general manager are on the same page and saying, you know, we just can't pay this guy. And Mike Zimmer says, I need him. I I can't win without him. Gary comes to you as nice as Gary is. He says, I just can't do it with that old, you know, sort of uh, uh, what Texas sort of draw. You know, I just, I just, I need Delvin. I need him to be there. And uh, so I think at that point, that they would side with what the coaches were telling them, that they needed Delvin Cook uh, to be exceptional. And I agree with you that the position that the Vikings are in, this is not an easy thing to do. Uh, it's just that they've put themselves in this spot where you are either taking away somebody who has become the centerpiece of your offense that you really built this thing around is off of him running successfully, getting you in situations where you could throw play actions, which is another part of Delvin Cook's value. Um 
you've put yourself in the spot that you've built it all for him, and then you're going to say, no, uh, well, actually, now we're not going to pay for that. Uh, you know what I mean? So it, I think this is a much more complicated thing than never pay running backs or running backs don't matter or whatever else. Running backs certainly are not the most valuable position or the most irreplaceable position in the NFL, but every situation for every single team is different. Oh, I, now, think, I think Dalvin Cook and Christian McCaffrey, at the level that they're playing at right now, Really, really hard to replace. You, you don't. Alexander Madison. Nobody's going to step in and do what a Dalvin Cook or a Christian McCaffrey could do. If you have two running backs like that on a team, well, I don't know why you still have two running backs like that on your team. You should be exploring the trade market. But my my hesitation in paying those guys is not what they're doing now. And can I replace them now? It's the long term investment and the third year of that deal where a lot of that money is still guaranteed. Can I can I replace them at a cheaper price then and get close to the same? production probably right doesn't history say probably by the time they get to the third year of that deal and what happens to running backs in their late 20s early 30s that i could probably find a replacement on a on a better contract yeah well that's that's the question right there is let's say that you traded delvin cook tomorrow to uh, i don't know who doesn't have a running back uh jacksonville leonard fournette's not any good so let's say they said, you know what, we want to create the old Marcus Allen and Bo Jackson backfield with Leonard Fournette and Delvin Cook, let's just say. I don't know. The Jaguars are weird. And so you trade him away, and you get yourself a second-round pick or a third-round pick. And then with that second- or third-round pick, you take Jonathan Taylor, who is incredibly talented for Wisconsin, as Gopher fans well know. And... You take him because no one else wants to take running back in the first round, so you take one in the second, but you get the best running back there is or the second best running back there is in the draft. Can he replace what Dalvin Cook did? The odds are decent that he can because he's basically a first-round talent who's not being taken in the first round because of positional value, and then you get him on the rookie contract. So that math adds up. The problem is if Jonathan Taylor gets to the NFL and you know finds out that he can't read plays or process or that everybody's too big and strong and he gets scared, uh, then what do you do? You, you run Mike Boone out there? I mean, do you, you really hope Alexander Madison uh, can be a number one running back? I think that Madison was good last year, but he certainly wasn't what Delvin Cook was. So, um, you know... It, that's the risk you take and and with a coach and a general manager that want to win and want to keep their jobs it seems pretty unlikely to me that they're going to roll those dice that's how i would that's how i would play yeah it. no you can make a really strong case for it i just i think that you know you sort of pay for the devil you know as opposed to spending draft capital on the devil you don't uh, because at the very least you know that delvin cook if he stays healthy is going to be one of the five best running backs in the league did you hear, uh, by the way, just switching gears here before we hit the break in a few minutes, Bill Belichick talking about Tom Brady and his departure from the Did New not. England Patriots on Did NESN? Not. Well, I mean, he said he said some nice things about Tom <laughs> Brady and his time there, as, as, as you would expect, as nice as Bill Belichick gets. He says, everything we did... And I'm doing it in a monotone on purpose because this is how Bill Belichick would say it. Everything we did, every single decision we made go. in terms of major <laughs> planning was made with the idea of how to make things best for Tom Brady. He also said uh, we spent quite a bit of time with both Brian Horror and Stid, Josh and myself. Uh, certainly have a good feel for both of those players. Circumstances will be different this year. 
over the last two decades. Everything we did, every, I already read that one. But then he just, they keep on asking him about Tom Brady, and that's when he goes into full Belichick. Like, he came just short of saying, we're on to our next quarterback. <laughs> First he says, uh, so he, he says the nice things, right? And then he's asked, did the Patriots want Tom Brady back? That's water under the bridge. We're really focused on this season. Surprised he left? Again, I think we've covered all that. I meant everything I said about him. That was Bill <laughs> Belichick talking about Tom Brady, and it's exactly the reaction I'd expect from Bill Belichick talking about Tom Brady. We're on to the have next I, quarterback. Um, told you about my one interaction with Bill Belichick? I don't know if you have oh, or this not. Is good. So I was writing a story about quarterback sneaks and how effective they are and how the Patriots are one of the most effective with Tom Brady, a quarterback that can't run at all. And yet, when it comes to third and one, fourth and one, they have a 90% chance of getting you know, a quarterback sneak. So I, on a conference call before the Vikings played the Patriots, I asked Belichick, and I'm sure that he was sort of taken aback by the question, but I said, you know, you've had a lot of success with Brady on these quarterback sneaks, uh, and the Vikings have one of the best short yardage defenses, so what's the key to you know, converting those, and I was hoping for one of those like long Belichick explanations. Of, well, the nose tackles, you know, it goes this way, whatever. Right? I thought that'd be great for my story. He just says execution, <laughs> and then it's and then it's just like dead silence. No one else even jumps in and asks question, and then. He said like something something else about you know you, you you need to get the push from the interior or something or it depends on the situation like but but it was just like execution I was like execution okay are you talking about me being executed for asking this question or are you like what does that mean I was really hoping he'd just come out and say we're on to the next quarterback yeah like that would have been perfect that would have been funny, if yeah. he spoke those exact words it would have been absolutely perfect for Bill Belichick and his reaction to Tom Brady I think he does have some sense of humor from what I've gathered. Do you think there's any part of him that is, uh, I don't want to say scared, but concerned, unsure about the next era of his career and Patriots football? Because, look, he's a great football coach. There's no taking that away from him unless you want to talk about cheating. But that aside, he's a great football coach. But 19 of his 20 winning seasons in the NFL came with Tom Brady as his quarterback. Do you think there's any part of Bill Belichick that's unsure about his future as a head coach in the in 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 the NFL and for the New yeah, England Patriots. Of course. I mean, when you are talking about the head coach doesn't even exactly know how to pronounce his starting quarterback's name. What is it? Jared Stidham? Stidham? Stide? <laughs> I think it's Hum? Stidham. Uh, yeah, uh, I think yeah. it's Stidham. I don't know. I don't know. I'll I'll learn it when it matters, but um, you know, when you don't even know who your quarterback's going to be, I think Bill Belichick is smart enough to understand, and based on his previous draft history of taking guys like Jimmy Garoppolo and Jacoby Brissett and even Ryan Mallett, he was always trying to prepare in the draft for having somebody to take over from Tom Brady when he fell off the edge of the cliff. And uh, he doesn't really have that right now, ironically, but I think he understands how important it is. And also, you know, when he didn't succeed in Cleveland, part of that was not the greatest quarterback play He's been around long enough to know that that determines whether you win or lose. And I'm sure he'd love to win the Super Bowl with Brian Hoyer just to shove it in Tom Brady's face. Be like, yeah, I can scheme my way to anything. But is that really going to happen? 
Um, probably not. So, I mean, people love to bring up the Matt Castle thing. It's like, yeah, I get that he went 11 and five or something, but weren't you like a 16 and 0 team the year before? Right. So you were, you were five wins worse with Matt Castle than you were with Tom Brady. It makes a pretty darn big difference. By the way, uh, update on the poll is an icy <laughs> slash slurpy candy. Is it 98%? It's pretty close. 88.6% say, no, that's stupid. I gave you two options. Yes. And, and no, no, that's, that's stupid. stupid. And 88.6% of 70 votes, less than half an hour, 70 votes, 88% of those 70 people think uh, you putting ICs in your candy power rankings, Declan, is kind of stupid. Yep. Kind of dumb. You do have your brother's support, though. That's shocking, because he d- he disagrees with me on almost everything in my life. Didn't I say something the other day off the air about you having a weird worldview? Yes, uh, you did. Well, here it is, on display on Score North Live. Didn't take long for that to turn out <laughs> no. to be right. Scorenorth.com, Score North Mobile Somebody app. asked a great question. Slid our, uh, let me see if I can find it here. Are blizzards milkshakes? Is that candy? It's more of a smoothie. I mean, blizzards like can have smoothie. candy in them. I guess the blurred lines is, is it a treat or is it candy? That's the blurred line. You have desserts, which right. are like ice cream, cake, brownies, cookies, and then you have candy, which is, you know, candy. Sugar. <laughs> yes. Ices. Yeah. And then you have sugary drinks like soda, ices, Slurpee. Those are three completely different categories. You have sugary drinks, you have candies, and you have desserts. And all three are completely different categories. You want to do a sugary drink power ranking? I'm down, man. <laughs> what else do we got to talk about? But ICs don't belong in your candy power rankings. Well, they do. So here, okay, here's your problem. I've I've got you dead to rights here. Uh, Miriam Webster okay. on the definition of candy: crystallized sugar. Thank you. Formed by boiling down sugar syrup. So crystallized being the key part of this. That it has to be some sort of formed object that you could hold in your hand without it sliding through your fingers. Thank you. I think that settles it. Okay. And Pick a new need, damn candy. Now nope. we need new power rankings well, from you, Declan. Not, that's okay. I think we've established that you're that's wrong. That's all right. Well, I know I'm wrong. That's that's <laughs> I've admitted that since the day I can remember. Yeah. By the way, you and your brother look nothing alike. Nothing that's at all. the first time he, I've seen your brother. He is a hulk of a man, a military veteran, and then there's Declan, uh, once again, <laughs> reigns true because he looks nothing like me. Nothing but, at all. You're but, soft all the way to the teeth. But I will say... If you get us in a room together and you were blindfolded, you would not be able to tell who's talking. Like really? Like, who, who's who. So it's, the voice is the same. voice and the cadence is very similar. I mean, he's got dark hair. He's got, yep. like, a beard. Can yeah, you grow a beard? Nope. You can't even grow a nope. beard. We are polar opposites. If every woman I've ever brought in front of my brother says the same thing, <laughs> that's your brother. So, yes, that's uh, that's what happens. Do they say it like, uh, yep. do they, say it like they, they got do. the wrong one? Yep, they do. <laughs> yep. Luckily, I look like my sisters, so I got that going that's for me, good. but that's it. That's good. Mm-hmm. All right. Luckily, got, you got rid of the goatee thing. I did. Thank you. You had a goatee? I used to. Like Matthew, Ma- Matthew uh, advised me to get rid of it. You know, before I worked Did here? you ever play AAA baseball? Or not triple, triple play baseball. You yeah. ever play that game? game? Yeah. You know how you could make guys with goatees and <laughs> yes. they could have like a half goatee on the chin? <laughs> that was me. That's what it looked like. 
Now I want you to grow it just so I can see. Do you have any no. pictures? Oh, yeah, there's pictures. Was this oh. before you knew me? I don't I, I um, suggested I don't really that he might you with any sort of do better in the family. dating scene without it. <laughs> you and, so? you, and you know what? He was somewhat right. I'm not batting well, but I'm batting better than I was before. <laughs> you went? Did you go above the Mendoza line? Yes. Were you yeah, below Mendoza I, line whole, and then I, you I was, went above Mendoza yes, line? Yes, exactly. Good. I'm Good above 200. You, Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Happy for you. I appreciate it. On the other side of this break, I think this is my new favorite game on Score North Live. It's Name That Viking. Declan will give us scouting reports. We'll try and guess who the hell he's talking about and see how wrong people are and have fun with scouting terminology. It's Score North Live, 1500.